Hi, I'm your host, Thomas, data scientist, data engineer, and you're listening Let's Talk AI. On this podcast, we receive experts to talk about their experience, visions, challenges, with no fear to go into technical details. If you're looking to learn more about AI and related subjects, you're at the right place to make yourself comfortable and enjoy. If you like this episode, please give us a review on your favorite streaming platform, such as Spotify or Apple Podcast. You can also find more content on my LinkedIn newsletter. Welcome everyone on this new episode of Let's Talk AI. Today I am with Andreas Kretz. Andreas, how are you doing? Hi, yeah, great. Thanks. I'm super happy to have you on the show. Um, um, in the data engineering space, um, I believe that you're a reference. And so I have many questions for you today. And if you're passionate about data engineering, this episode is for you. Um, just a quick remember on Let's Talk AI, we're trying to give a 360 vision of the fields of data and AI, sharing with experts and professionals. Um, and today we have the honor to have Andreas on the show. So I'm super excited. Um, maybe Andreas, for the people who might not know you, uh, can you make a brief description of yourself? For me, well, I'm, I'm from Germany. I'm a father of two kids and married and... Uh, yeah, I'm an engineer. I'm the typical German engineer, <laughs> being on my being for myself, working on engineering problems, and yeah, that's doing YouTube videos. And I have a academy at LearnDataEngineering.com where I teach data engineering for people who want to become data engineers and for people who just want to learn data engineering to add to their skills, like data scientists, data analysts. That's so awesome. I recommend to anyone who have interest in this field uh, to follow you on LinkedIn and on YouTube. Uh, your content is very interesting. Maybe to, well, first, I would love to hear a bit about your career and your background and uh, how you ended up uh, uh, to what you're doing today. But just before that, I would love to ask you about what are you trying to achieve uh, today? Well, for, for me, it's, for me personally, it's the fun. <laughs> I like I I changed from my old job and and went solo and did this to have fun again and be able to help people and so that's my general message teaching people engineering helping them grow in their career and that's my goal um on the side and then provide for my family with that that's awesome um that's super um uh... That's, um, well, let's dive later on. Uh, I, I might come back to uh, the specific goal, but uh, could you share with us a little bit a retrospective on what you've, on the biggest points of your career so yeah. that we can maybe understand you a little bit better? Yeah. I, so I can start a bit early in the beginning because as I said, I'm, I'm the typical engineer. So I started... Uh, not with actual software engineering first. I was an apprentice or had an apprenticeship in mechatronics. So I was in a company where uh, they're doing hydraulics and I was working with, with uh, hydraulic components and apprenticeship there. And then after I finished that, I actually, because I always liked computers and was always interested in learning more and yeah, coming from the gaming side, <laughs> 
but wanted to get into software engineering and so on. And in Germany, we have these two-year programs full-time. Uh, it's called State Certified how's it called? Engineer, basically, yeah. for, for different um, for different skills and also for uh, software development for, for IT. So I did that. And afterwards, I felt like, oh, I need to... I need to do more. This is not. This cannot be the end. I want to learn more, and so I moved into, uh, or I got it to university, and then I, again, I started there and uh, did a diploma there, and, but it was also for applied, uh, hmm. applied computer science. Then afterwards, I was I was looking for a job, and it was 2010, where the crisis was <laughs> was problematic with the financial, and I uh, I got into a company doing SAP work, SAP customization, SAP development, where I stayed for a year, which I learned this is not really my thing, and I was lucky I actually got a job at Bosch Rexroth, where I did my thesis for my for my diploma hmm. and the goal was there to um, build a a system a condition monitoring system a system where you have machines out on the field and these are sending you data and the first idea was to just look at the data and we i started basically building there the complete um complete infrastructure and or planning the infrastructure and in that place actually i got in touch with the whole big data thing and it was not like i i didn't study data engineering or plan to do it for mm. me the it actually was the problem that led me there because i i knew i have i'm going to have a lot of machine data out that is coming in and the stuff that i learned like relational databases uh didn't really work or, or java uh processing didn't really work with that amount of data so this then got me into the thinking okay how can how can i solve this how can we create a project around this or an infrastructure around this because at that time it was just two people me and a data scientist and yeah then we we started a, the data scientist worked with me and we tried to figure out what's the goal for the scientist how what kind of data does the scientist need and what amount and how often and so on and then basically that led me into that whole rabbit hole of, of big data and, and data processing and engineering and so on wow um did you have to do some map reduce yeah, 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 yeah. at the time <laughs> <laughs> it, it was uh, actually i at the time i was I was looking at two solutions. I remember two solutions in the beginning. I was looking at uh, stuff like Cassandra, mm -hmm. which is for absolutely not the right thing for anything IoT. But I then figured out, okay, we can do something with Hadoop and setting up Hadoop. And once some data came in, I actually tried to figure out, okay, how can I process this in, in parallel and leverage um, yeah, horizontal scaling? And I, yeah playing around with MapReduce, looking through through data, aggregating data. Yeah. Oh. And then did you had like did you switch to Spark quickly or, or yeah, did but, you stay with uh, well with at the time for a while? It I remember I was back in the day I was at uh, on a Cloudera platform and 
I think it it came they they just added Spark then. In the beginning it was just MapReduce and then they mm -hmm. added Spark and then I moved to Spark because like MapReduce with MapReduce the annoying part was you only have the map and the reduce phase, right? And then you need mm -hmm. to save the data somewhere. And then yeah. if you so if you want to do multiple multiple things or you have a pipeline that needs multiple processing steps, mm -hmm. you always have to save it. And so that was not really cool. <laughs> and then with Spark, the whole thing really, really took off. It was fun. Awesome. And so this was the experience. And then, um, and then what led you? Or are there like more stages before you launched the Academy and the YouTube channels? Or did yeah, you yeah. Do, do it? Uh, what comes next? Yeah. So, so for me, um, the, whole, the whole project then grew. And we we became basically uh, a larger team for this. Then the, we we got converted into a data lab that not only took these this one thing, but then multiple uh, projects on. And I became a, a team lead for the engineering part of this. And then end of twenty, what was it, twenty twenty. I uh, took over the whole data lab, but then shortly afterwards, I, I I quit because I wanted to follow up more with my academy. I also had a bit of health problems. A bit is underestimate uh, under how do you say it? Understated. Uh, understated, or... yeah. But like I I did some some uh, coaching before and I had fun, and I thought let's let's see if I if I get get healthy again, have fun again. And uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> ah, and uh, and now you're helping uh, many people with their data engineering skills and and also data science, data analyst. Um, yeah. That's um, that's very very interesting, and I like that. Um, like so, is it, I like how you phrased it. I, I like how you phrased two things mainly: uh, the fact that uh, you just figured out you, you weren't a data engineering at the beginning. You just needed to do something and you find the right tools. Uh, and then I like how you describe when you started to work with a, a data scientist and there were just the two of you. Um, and uh, and you, you kind of through time drew the line uh, of, uh, okay, what do you need? How can I give it to you? And uh, it seems, um, correct me, but it seems like... Uh, this very the beginning of how these roles combine to like make great use of data at scale, and there were no roadmap at the time. Yeah, um, that's that's actually very true. I, from a role wise, for me it was always clear. I'm not that interested in in the science part. I'm not a machine learning guy. I'm I'm an engineer. I know software development. I know uh, databases and 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 so on and APIs and all that stuff. And my colleague was was the was the, the PhD. He knew the algorithms, he knew the, the machines and so on. So that was a clear cut, but that was also, um, for me still, still this is the right way of looking at this. Right? People, hmm. people sometimes think, ah, we're hiring a data scientist and then the scientist is also doing the engineering. No, no, please no. 
uh, for maybe for a proof of concept could be good but for everything after that you should get an engineer hmm. uh, and, and for, yeah sorry yeah sorry now for, for me also like this this process is all always stayed the same uh, of how to how to figure out what tool to use which how to plan a platform and so on because mm-hmm. people very often are focused on the tools they mm-hmm. think oh well i need to use i need to use spark because everybody's using spark or i need to uh, go on aws and use this and this and this but actually you should always start in okay what is what is my data look like how does how does the source look like and what is the the actual consumer the what is the goal who is using that data and how and then everything in between then that automatically then comes when you understand these two sides of mm-hmm. of the of the platform or of the, the project i see do you have students sometimes that tr- struggles figuring out if they would like to become more expert in data engineering or more expert in data science? So not a not a lot. This usually this question is before they come into the academy. Okay. So I I get this on 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 LinkedIn or on Instagram. Uh, this question very often, like what should I choose? For me, I always say like if you are more inter- interested in algorithms in math in in machine learning in the actual creating of the models and so on and working with the data there then that should be your thing if you're and also if you're like coming from an analyst role or a a phd or something right that's your thing but if you're coming from software development everything engineering and you think about entering this and you're not 100 like interested in in that in the machine learning stuff Go with the engineering part because there you can leverage most of the things you already know and then add stuff, stuff to right. your knowledge. Right. And um, and how how do you place in this picture the machine learning engineers? Well, the machine for me the machine learning engineers are, are a bit uh, like they are in between. Okay. And it's it's the natural. Um, the natural way from both sides like you have the scientist the scientist who's doing more engineering and that maybe wants to do a bit more engineering they move maybe more to the machine learning and also the engineer who's the who's working on the engineering but is interested in more of the ml stuff then they move like in in the middle right it's not like right. the engi- engineer does not absolutely n- no it's not like mm. the engineer does not know something about machine learning we need to understand how the process works and we need to understand what the scientists need, right? Hmm. We're not building the models and then doing feature analysis and stuff, right? Right. Maybe doing some cleaning because they are, the scientist tells you, okay, I need this cleaned in that way. But All right. the, the, the machine learning engineer is, is like a, a, in the middle of these two, two roles. Okay. No, that's uh, that makes sense. Um, so so um, after this role, uh, you mentioned that you have some 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 personal uh, issues and you went uh, full time with the academy, the YouTube channel. Um, so you mentioned a bit what you're trying to achieve today with uh, the academy at the beginning, and I said that I, I would like to to come back on, on this point. Um, so 
For example, if I'm a data engineer and I want to improve my skills in, in, in this section, I would like to talk a bit about principles, about fundamentals, about mm. like how to get the core of the concepts uh, to be able to adapt with the techniques. But um, my question is, like, is there more things that uh, made you go all in on the on the academy to provide courses and, and tips about uh, for for data engineers and i would also like to ask you in the same question um what are the main problems that you can see maybe young or advanced data engineering's uh face um and yeah maybe see if you have some key tips key um, solutions mm. or, or advice of what you see so for me Let's start with the problems because the other things then basically come from the problems. That's why mm -hmm. I started the academy was there is, for me, there's not really a good solution out there for people starting with, with data engineering. You have these courses, but they're always like, there are, there are these uh, data engineering courses and they have specific, okay, we're going to make you a data engineer, we're going to teach you Kafka, we're going to teach you Spark in this, and then maybe a, a data warehouse, and then that's it, right? And then please pay us a few hundred bucks for this. And for me, this was always not the, the right way of doing this. Mm -hmm. uh, with the Academy, what, I'm, what always is my goal is to help people Okay, focus less, first focus less on the tools, focus more on understanding how does everything fit together. What are the parts of the platform that that you see all the time? And there are a few parts, like general like patterns where the tools are in. Uh, they're always the same in every platform. It, I created this a few years ago. It's still, still the same, still works. And so giving people the basics and then being for them being able to then decide, okay, do I want to go more the open source route, for instance? Do I want to go more towards a cloud platform like AWS? Do I want to do something on, on GCP? And basically filling every of these um, of these blocks for mm -hmm. or helping them fill their knowledge for every of these block, everyone. Because once you understand, like with when you think of, of streaming data, once you understand how a message queue works and you learned this with Kafka, you can very easily go there and, and use another platform. Or if you if you used on AWS Kinesis, you know how a message queue behaves and why you would use it. And then mm -hmm. you can use another one as well. So that's for instance one block. And so for so what I'm I'm always trying is okay, working on the fundamentals. Right now we're working on another data modeling course. I'm working on another a platform architecture course to actually help people uh, get better in this. Uh, we already have stuff there, but I think we can still improve on this and adding more more tools, more platforms. Like uh, this month, we're going to release a GCP course, and like yeah, that's that's always that's my goal with this and to have this not just a a single course have this as an academy where new stuff is coming in and, and people can can always learn more that's also for people who are already engineers mm -hmm. very often you need you you see something new or you have a platform and you want to get into airflow for instance right mm -hmm. then 
have something in the academy just quick it's a quick introduction I, I don't know how long this quiz is one hour one and a half hours mm -hmm. and afterwards people know all the basics they can set it up they can first start a proof of concept and then integrate it in their in their platform for instance hmm I have some, I think I have some fun follow-up questions regarding this. Um, sure. First of all, what's the importance of hands-on uh, practicing on doing proof of concepts uh, for someone to learn? From from my side, for, or how I see this, it's super important. I, I got these two, so, okay. What people say to me sometimes is they start with the academy and they they say it's very theoretical but it's only the first two modules that are theoretical because there as always there are some things you need to learn it's you cannot do immediately hands-on mm -hmm. with everything but for most of the thing in the academy how I, how i teach it is first you get in each course a bit of the theory and then immediately hands-on immediately run this as a docker container immediately go in and, and get your first exercises and, and then afterwards people can improve on this they can play around with it they they mm. uh, can work on it themselves so for yeah. me hands-on parts is and maybe it comes because i learn hands-on i'm not the big reader of books and and so on i'm like i'm a hands-on guy i mm. want to play a fiddle around with it and then learn it right. this way Right, and even if I learn with books, I feel like there's only one way to be sure 100% that what I learned or what I read is correct is if I can make it work. Yeah. <laughs> and if I have my thing deployed and everything's going well, well, I, I get it. <laughs> I yeah. get the concepts. But uh, most of the time, it doesn't go according to plan. That's <laughs> true. Um, so, so that's super interesting. I think my follow-up question with that is I'd like to have... Because we're talking about hands-on, I'm thinking about a data engineering, a data engineer that is at the very beginning of its career, uh, and one that is more like five between five to ten years of experience, which are like two very different profiles. Mm -hmm. One maybe needs to understand Docker's and all the basic tools and the fundamentals and the principles, and then maybe start playing a little bit. Uh, and the other one have some expertise in some tools, maybe based on the projects that he've been doing or she's been doing. Yeah. My question regarding that is, would you have some tips for both of those profiles regarding approaching data engineering with this growth mindsets and learning mindset? Mm. Well, for be beginners, I think for beginners, it's very important that they don't don't try to learn everything. As I mentioned before, there are a few areas that you need to where you need to focus on, and you should should start with the fundamentals. Then take care of each of these these areas so that you have a streaming pipeline, so that you have a batch pipeline, right? With the certain with a few tools, and then you're already very very good. People try to to go in and think, oh, what is my big roadmap? What what is everything that I need? And do I have? How can I learn this very quickly? It's not really. They should not really do this. Mm. Look around. 
like if you're if you're in in Germany, look around uh, at the job descriptions that are out there. Try to figure out which platforms are they using, or the the industries that you maybe want to go. Which platforms are they using, and then focus on these platforms and focus on the the few important areas, and then that that's it. The rest are you're going to learn when you have your 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 junior job. That's mm. most of the stuff you're going to then learn there. Mm. For so that's the that's the main thing. Ha- hands on, focusing on a few things, not trying to learn everything. As the um, as the experienced person, like coming from my side, when I when I worked in in the in the old company, I was mm-hmm. doing a lot with stream processing. I basically did n- nothing with data warehousing, not, absolutely nothing. was was not really needed for what I what what I was about and what what I was working with. And as a as a data engineer who is out there who is working with stuff, you always have these blind spots. These things that you are not using in your career right now, but might be good for the future. Mm-hmm. You might be, um, you, your company might be on a on a uh, on a private cloud because the data cannot be shared legally to the cloud or something, right? And you're good there, and you're good with the tools, but from this standpoint, you should think of okay. Um, most of the stuff now is happening on the cloud. So let's start with one cloud. doesn't really matter which one. Select one and start with one there. Mm-hmm. Right? Or like if you're, if you're like me, you're not working with data warehouses. Okay, then let's start. How, what could you do? Like that's why I used in the academy, Snowflake DBT. How, how can I set up a data a data warehouse with Snowflake? Easy. How can I work then with transforming data with DBT in the in the warehouse? And then you already you you're already in the next step. You already have learned more, hmm. and maybe in the next job you can use that. Hmm. I see. And if you had if you had to share, so now we, we kind of did like the advanced the beginner, and hmm. how does an expert how does someone that have like more than 10, 15 years yeah. stay up to date? Because maybe we can get comfortable with some tools, with some stack. And maybe uh, right now we're hearing a lot uh, data mesh, uh, uh, architectures, and, and a lot of data engineering concepts. I see yeah. that you're moving uh, ahead for the people <laughs> who are listening the audio. So how, what, what would you comment on that point? No, so I... When you think of the natural progression, how how does how is a, a career working? Right, you start mm-hmm. maybe you, well in in our case usually you go into a, you, you at the university, you study computer science or nowadays you can also study data science or data engineering, and then you get your first job. You always you're going to find your 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 way, which tools you're working with, which cloud platforms you're working with, and then you're going to build on top of that, right? If, you're, if your first job was with AWS and you, you worked with uh, stream processing on AWS and, and or data warehouses, then most likely the next job, because you're already good at that, you're going to go further and you, you're going to basically go deeper into that topic. Mm-hmm. Maybe also you have then a few others things around there but usually you go deeper into a topic 
Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't think that's a problem. I th- I I think not everybody needs to back to the learn everything. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're if you have a lot of experience and you're really really good at a few crucial things or or at your job if you're not by accident on Hadoop which is going out then okay then you're 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 safe. And I, for me, the, the tip to really to experts would be just have an open mind, try out new things. You might not need them in your day-to-day job and it might not be the thing that you needed at all. But like get a bit of experience here and there, but try to try to focus on what you like, try to focus on what you're good at and, and become really, really good at that. Right, right. Uh, and so we've done a little bit the, the three broad levels of uh, data engineering tips Uh, and you mentioned something earlier you mentioned looking for a junior uh, looking at the at the jobs Um, and when we speak about data engineering uh, a lot of the time when we do an academy or when we try to shape uh, shape better our skills it's to land a better job or to improve in our jobs to to be more efficient or or access to the next step for us Mm. Um, would you have maybe some, uh, based on what you hear, what you've learned through time mentoring or, or um, helping students, would you have some tips maybe um, regarding applications and, and finding the, the right jobs that suits me and that in which I would be able to grow depending mm-hmm. on where I'm my, um, my level? So... In detail, it's always very personal, right? It's, uh, mm. So it's it's difficult to make these very detailed, give very detailed tips. In general, what's very important is documentation. And that's what I say to all my students. You have mm-hmm. for every course, you have the source codes. So you can just take this from my GitHub, put this on yours, add your own documentation to it, add your experience to it, write a blog post, document it, and then add that to your CV so that people who can who look at your CV can actually get to your projects, to, to your personal projects that you've done. And so that's that's something I, I'm telling people very often because that that works. When I was looking at, uh, at people at uh, um, um, I'm missing the words here. And when I was looking at applicants for mm-hmm. for uh, jobs, uh, looked at the CV. First few things in the CV, their their history of work history, and then looked at personal projects, because personal projects also help you f- from a interviewer side. You can ask this person then something di- regarding these projects. Right? right. Very often, it's it's difficult to ask people uh, questions or to to great, really good uh, questions because you don't really know what they've done in their job. And this way you can, okay, you have a project there. Okay, I understand that project. Let's drill down if you have understood what, you, what you've done. Hmm. And also if you are from the interview, uh, interviewee, from, from your side, when you interview for right. a job, you can then relate to this, right? So you get a question that you don't know you haven't worked with that tool, ah, but I worked with that tool, that other tool that is in the same area and 
have that on the GitHub and this is what I've done there. I'm like, oh, this kind of thing. I see. I see. So, so hard to give a very specific advice because it's very um, individual. Um, it depends really on each person. But uh, I can uh, I can understand that uh, GitHub is um, having some projects on GitHub is very important for the people who are listening. Um, and I would assume also if I'm more advanced in my career, maybe at the beginning I have some projects on my GitHub, but then it's all like the projects in my company. Um, or, or would you consider like always this kind of curiosity and enriching the GitHub and the projects? Well, the thing is, let's see this from a professional. Uh, from the problem, and I can say this from my own experience, that's also the reason why I started my LinkedIn, why I started on YouTube and so on, writing blog posts back then. When you're a professional and you work at a company, you usually cannot share anything from within the company, right? You cannot right. share. You cannot share the code that you've created. You cannot talk uh, largely about the things that you've done. So you need to actually find a way of showing people your experience. And these tools, what I said, having a good social media where you put out content that teaches other people what you know, talking about what you know, in general, not in the specific thing that you do at the company, mm -hmm. um, creating a video about it, writing blog posts about it, and then basically putting this all out there. Because people mm -hmm. are going to research you. If if I see uh, somebody uh, that applies to a job that I put out, I'm going to first thing I, I would do is go on LinkedIn, find out who is this, what does mm -hmm. what is this person doing. And nowadays, it's it's super important to have this. And yeah, right, right. And more than ever with uh, LLMs, generative AI, where like content can, um, it's content have never been easiest and fast to create. So so having these unique things, having this unique sharings um, can really help at the moment of uh, finding new opportunities and, and figuring out, um, uh, I mean, uh, I assume, uh, correct me if you, if, you, if you see something more or if you, if you see it differently, but yeah, I think it's very, very important to, to try to have this uniqueness uh, uh, and it helps also. Yeah, and this because this is as you say, this is your people are seeing your thoughts, how you how you think about problems, how you talk about problems, maybe how you solve problems if you um, put stuff on GitHub, and also it's it's not everything hidden, and that's the that seven seven years ago, over seven years when I started here on social media, that was that was my goal. I knew. Everything I'm doing, I'm doing within the company and nobody knows what I'm doing. And you don't know what is happening in five to 10 years. But you know, if you, if you don't put out stuff and, and collect a, like a, 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 create yourself a profile you, or mm -hmm. show your profile, you will be in the, in the masses out there. And if 50 people apply to a job and, a few people have really a good public profile with with uh, blog posts and and sharing their knowledge and have a GitHub or uh, with personal projects. These few people are already going to be one stop ahead of you, 
uh, mm -hmm. one step ahead of you. Right, right. Personal branding. I don't like to call it personal brand because branding is always like that, that marketing that, vibe. Yeah, marketing that that sounds like Nike and Adidas and and so on, right? <laughs> but it's it's think of I, I'm for me like you could also say my brand is the engineer brand, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's it's just who I am. I'm, I'm I'm putting stuff out there. To, to teach people and also that they they see how I'm what how, how I'm reacting how I'm how I am that's a mm -hmm. right thing mm -hmm. yeah and I believe that the more we the more we grow I guess in this industry um, the more we can find different kind of managements and and there are like many kind of companies that have unique cultures mm. and one culture can fit me or can makes me happy and the other one doesn't match really with my vibes and what I need to grow. And so I think this is also a great way, not only for applicants, but also for, I mean, if I'm, if I would be looking for a job, um, I can also check my employers and what they're producing and what are the mentality behind what they're doing or how do they communicate. And I believe that it, it goes in both ways, meaning, all right, now I'm sick. I'm seeking for a new opportunity. Uh, I have these two opportunities. As I apply, I'm not the only one checking on 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 LinkedIn or on blog posts. What is the culture? How do they communicate on socials? Mm. Because I believe that when I do an interview, uh, it's um, I would sell myself. But I also need to check if this environment in which I intend to maybe work in the future match my vibe and I will be able to grow as a person and professionally. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah. The, the, that's why some people, when they do interviews, they come over as desperate, right? They, they, need, to, they need to show the company that they that they're they're good and they are not even asking questions is the company actually or they're not interviewing the company right mm. uh, interviewing the people there how does work look at the company what's uh, what are some culture features that you that you know from other uh, from other uh, uh, employees mm. and and so on how how would it look like a typical work day and do they have daily stand-ups and, and stuff stuff like like this? Um, I think that is is very important. And as I said, the the interview is basically both sides interview each other, and it's it's a very important thing to look at that because yeah, hmm. you don't want to join somewhere that has maybe a nice name, but you're not happy there. Right, happiness. That would be a, an entire topic. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would like to ask you what, like your state on mentoring uh, yeah. on f um, and on finding guidance. Um, I was discussing, um, I was discussing with uh, Boyan. Um, he's the author of uh, uh, an O'Reilly book about uh, data science with Erin Python and a data strategy, strategy book. And, um, I think, uh, yeah, the, our episode will be together, so you can check it um, on, on streaming platforms or YouTube. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And we discussed about advice and mentors, uh, and and I'm really interested in your opinion on this. But basically, his his message, his i his idea, um, is that everyone have to figure it out. Like we're alone in this process because if I put this on the shoulder of someone else, then in the future I'll blame them because I take the decision based on what they told me, kind of. But I'll. He also told me that it's very important to have like people to look up to once we've decided that we want something. So that with that introduction made, what is your point of view on mentoring and finding people that have achieved what you're looking to achieve? So generally on mentoring and this this is very close to me because when i had my coaching program i i mentored people mm-hmm. and also uh, at my old job when i had students and so on and on and my my team uh colleagues i always treat this and this might seem uh, might sound cheesy like from the matrix where where uh, morpheus says to Neo, i can only show you the door you have to go through it right and mm-hmm. it, it's literally that and when I when I did the coaching, how often was it that this the 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 coachee w- had problems, didn't know where to go, and then I I say, okay, these these are areas you should look at. This could be your next step. But mm-hmm. then actually the uh, actually looking that up, actually trying to get into this, trying to get some experience. That's what the what the what the other person needs to do who's getting coached. Who's getting mentored? Mm-hmm. Right? You cannot think that the mentor. Like I was, I was almost never doing uh, debugging on code. Sometimes, yes, because it was fun. It was fun, but mm-hmm. you have as a as you should look at the mentor as somebody who can point you in the right direction, show you the right doors, but then you have to have to yeah, do it yourself. You're alone at the actual experience. You need to experience it yourself. Hmm. Right. right. It's like if I have a map and and I go to someone to ask the direction, but I'm not sure where I want to go, then you can't show me anything. But if I have more clear that, oh, I want to... So let's say the map is data engineering and, uh, and, uh, and I have some doubts regarding my next steps, etc. Uh, but I consider this and I've done that in the past, then I have information that might guide towards specific directions and then yeah. you can point them out on the map and, and explain how I could uh, like take a car to go there or like what tools can I use to go to a uh, specific uh, intended direction based on what feels the best for me. Absolutely, yeah. And so for, but for finding, finding mentors, I think can be difficult mm-hmm. um i personally i never had a mentor because at that time what i did nobody else did yeah <laughs> <laughs> i have this saying i mean i tr- sincerely believe that if one have applied map reduce in a professional context then there is no mentoring possible there is no because because map reduce was here at the beginning in a short time so that's my thing. Oh. Sorry, I, I cut you. No, I, I was I was thinking more in the in the broad, yes, broad, broad thing. Like uh, that when you think of 
like having a mentor in the company. Some companies have a really good culture where you start, you are automatically getting a mentor. Mm -hmm. right? Other companies don't have that. You need to try to get in touch with people, hopefully with more experience, right? Because a mentor should have more experience, should have worked through this already. And then try to unofficially have this person as your, your mentor. Mm. Right. That, yeah, that's the that's the the big upside. So for for instance, I had people um when I did the coaching, I had not only students who wanted to uh become a data engineer, but I also had people who were working at their job and they had problems, they needed to fix stuff, but they didn't know how, they didn't know how to improve this. And mm -hmm. so I then I came in and together we were trying to figure out okay what's your next what's your what could be your next moves where what are the important uh, pieces you should focus on mm -hmm. and this way um it helped them so i was basically the virtual mentor all right right and would you recommend to um would you recommend to anyone who doesn't have a mentor uh in their company or even if they have a mentor, would you recommend to try to have like multiple person to look up to so that they can balance a bit their opinions and, and the tips they're receiving? Mm. So when, when we look at, at the internet right now, right? Mm -hmm. Every, you're going to find an answer to almost everything. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately with us, Engineers, it's not that large, for instance, on YouTube. It's Ben, the Seattle data guy, me, your podcast, and like, who, who else is there? But in many other, uh, many other cases, many other um, professions, there are a lot of people on YouTube that you can follow, that you can use them as your mentors, as, okay, what are they talking about? What are they doing? I should maybe look into these topics as well. Hmm. But for specific problems, that will not work, right? If you need, if you have specific problems, you could use uh, I don't know a Discord server, uh, like ours from the academy, or there's there are other platforms where you can ask questions and try to get answers there, or try to find somebody. Right, right. And, and going back to the academy, um, are there specific problems or struggles that you can see with your students um, that are more common in the data engineering field? And, and how, how do you address them? How do you mm. address these problems? So one common thing that I see is still that there are people who don't understand how they start from zero with a architecture. With, with a platform. Okay. That's something that I want to address. I already have a course in there, but that's, I think that's still something that people struggle with. It, mm -hmm. And it gets more complicated every day because there are new tools out there every day. Yeah. And then you have these these buzzwords and these hype things like data mesh and everything where people Ending are just zone. confused. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> now what do I do? And now what do I do? Um, I think that's that's an important part where people uh, struggle yeah. um, with the basics. Actually, not that much. 
So Python and, and SQL is usually not that much. People don't struggle that much. Hmm. Um, ChatGPT is very good at uh, doing PySpark and Python, like queries and all of that. But Can yeah, but as an, I mean, as an engineer, I'm... <laughs> do like you would say, go to the documentation and read. Right. You should you should understand the stuff. You should know how to do this. Exactly. I mean, I mean, when you when you yes, stuff like ChatGPT is good that it can already create you like a baseline or mm -hmm. a, a template, but you, you you usually need to go. You're no. Let me say it like this. Usually, what you want to do is more complicated than ChatGPT can produce. Mm -hmm. So in the end, you need to have the knowledge, anyways. Yeah, right. it can. Yes, it can. It can speed up the process, but the basics you you, hmm. you need to understand. Right, right. I feel like ChatGPT uh, can be a, a very good, uh, good way to framework how to learn something. For example, I have this problem. How would you approach it? And yeah. then I take each piece and I go find in the documentation or maybe maybe for some specific little code that I need to do, I can uh, uh, ask directly, but sometimes I have to iterate or sometimes it will mix, for example, some Python code for SpySpark or sometimes if you want to make a, a specific like visualization with Matplotlib, it will want to convert to a Panda data frame, which is not good when your data frame is like with spark behind and like a, a big data but um but i see and well to to directly uh, speaking of chat gpt and i feel like speaking about data engineering llms um have came into the game so i feel obligated to, to ask uh, but um how do you at your academy approach llms integration and how do you view this new role of um of a prompt engineering where we're going to be able to directly query databases and do things just with the English language. How do you see all of that? <laughs> so, okay, this, that's a, that's a complete, that question has multiple parts. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how do I treat it? What I want to bring in this year into the academy is a new project where we actually integrate ChatGPT. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's important and it, uh, it's something that can help an engineer. Mm -hmm. For me, how I, like you said, like for me, when I go in there, I usually try to show me an example code for this and that. And then I'm going to improve on that example code. Mm -hmm. But yeah, ChatGPT, I think for, this is going to come that uh, you ask questions in natural language it automatically in the background creates you the things i i've done a video um actually uh, for synlytic on my youtube channel about there they have a like a bi tool and you can just chat with a with the chatbot and that chatbot is it's going to automatically create you the charts and everything that you yeah, need yeah i've seen that on a poor bi i think they i think they it has copilot behind and uh yeah, it's very impressive. Uh, so that kind of stuff, I think that is that is coming. And we cannot run from it, but people, from what I see, people are overestimating the power of it right now. 
It's right. like, oh, this is going to replace us in a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk in a year. But one thing I, I wanted to I want to add one problem that because yes. we were talking about problems. I was about to go back to this. Um I I was actually thinking about this while while you took over because I pointing to a specific thing is always difficult. One but one thing I noticed mm-hmm. is that people don't have the stamina to actually go through the topics and actually learn it and apply it and do the hands-on parts. Hmm. People people jump into this, think it's going to be easy, and they actually, they they like with every New Year's resolution, this year I'm going to do this, and then you mm-hmm. do it for a week, and then uh, mm-hmm. hasn't worked. Right. And the good, it, it, it was in the academy, it was in the coaching, whenever you see the good students, people who actually then get the jobs, people who excel in, in their career afterwards, are the people who go through the topics, who, who, who keep putting in the work and trying mm-hmm. to, trying to uh, better themselves, also work through the problems themselves. And these are the people who actually really, really benefit from it. There's a large, the large amount of people and I I learned to live with this. For me, it was in the beginning very hard to see. Where I know it's everything is there. You just have to go through this documented, and then it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but why? Why? Why are you not doing this? But yes. that's I I don't know. That's that's how people are. Um, and that's the biggest problem that people have. Not not the not the the stamina to go through this, or not not the 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 endurance. I don't know the right word for that, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's like having a gym subscription. You go first day, second day, you're like, yeah, I'm getting in shape. And I'm getting in shape, but I'm not going to the gym anymore. Yeah. yeah, but, but, yeah. After a month, but, <laughs> after a month, look at me. Oh, my belly is still here. Oh, it doesn't burn. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I see. No, yeah, and it makes sense. And I believe that... Um, through doing this um, deep work, um, when you have all the all the the right tools to learn, all the right principles, all the right, all the right concepts, yeah, it it can only be exponential the results through time. Because yeah, if I if I do the work and if I go through each uh, each of the steps, it's um, yeah stamina. I, I see what you mean by stamina and endurance, um, yeah. consistency. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, to, to practice, stay with it, and really try to try to make it. Try to become an engineer. And it's yeah. not. I don't know if you if you have this on your questions list, <laughs> but um, that's also something for me. Like people, people come in and they they ask me, "Can I become a, a data engineer in three months? In six months?" I don't know. This uh, this totally depends on you. You 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 can get through everything in six months, but can yeah. you get a job in six months? That depends on how much you apply. That depends on your CV. Right. That depends on right. how much drive you have to push this forward. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's do you have re- do you have recommendations of uh, where where does your students might apply 
uh, or is it something that you just say LinkedIn or or different places? Yeah, doesn't doesn't really matter. It just people just go. The, out the only thing is that what some people do wrong is that they apply for um, that they don't apply for junior roles. They apply to professional roles immediately, and they're not a professional, so they will not get a job. Right. On the other side, people are saying, "Oh, I don't find any junior roles out there." Right. It's difficult. Sometimes they are not called junior roles. Sometimes they are not called data engineer. So mm -hmm. you have to actually look at the the mm -hmm. entrance roles and figure out: is this something? Is this a data engineer, or is this data engineering adjacent? Mm -hmm. Because people, people very often think I can only become a data engineer if my job is immediately data engineer, and they don't think like five years ahead. Mm -hmm. Maybe your job today is not called data engineer, but you're doing the engineering work, and that experience that you build over the next two years allows you to then do that job in two years. Mm -hmm. It's also like I, I sometimes I, I had a few students like. Uh, I was last month. I was talking to someone from uh, let's call it a large consulting company. Mm -hmm. I don't want to drop any names, <laughs> but like he said, I have. Did he have ten or fifteen years of experience? I think ten years of experience. I have ten years of experience as a consultant, and I want to move to engineering. But if I now move to data engineering, I will not get paid as somebody with ten years experience. Well, of course, like, <laughs> why yeah. would you? But because that is the wrong, the wrong way of doing this. You should not, if with a lot of experience, you should not try to make that switch because you will, will you will have to, yeah, uh, sacrifice then on, on money. Mm -hmm. But the, the better way is to find a job in your area that you are, where you can use that added knowledge of data engineering and slowly then progress into that new role. Right. Might be through two or three job, new jobs that you take mm -hmm. every every two years or something. But you, it, it makes more sense for, for experienced people to slowly progress into this through the added right. knowledge. All right, I see. All right, it's not, uh, there, are there are not like two paths here. There are not like one one i need to necessarily continue in consulting and the other is okay i start over and i do that engineering there are ways hybrid hybrid roles where like you can do both and slowly transition with consistency and practice towards what you're trying to whatever skills you're trying to uh, uh, um, get and, and upgrade improve yeah. um super interesting uh before doing the the quick um uh, we're running around now we're off recording and, and I hope everyone here with us listening are getting a ton of value. I feel like it's super interesting to have your uh, your points of view on that. And and uh, for the people who are in your academy, even it can be interesting to, to hear about um, how you see, maybe they've heard you talk about the subjects many times before. Mm -hmm. uh, let us know if you have any questions. Uh, I was about to ask data engineering and uh, the, the security around, for example, starting everything from scratch. Let's say I choose a cloud provider and I want to create everything from scratch. Um, I can ask myself, all right, 
how do I make everything secure? Because I might be very good at data engineering. I might know exactly what I want, but I'm not that comfortable in making sure all this data is safe and all the systems I, I, I have out there are safe. I, I know that AWS, Azure, Google, they are good to like provide security layers, but what would you answer to, to this kind of um, questions that one can ask? Mm. So how I'm always, I'm, I'm having, I have two, a philosophy of two things when I think about this, two things that immediately come to my mind. First of all is having good interfaces, like having really de well-defined interfaces between tools, between parts of the platform. So from a potential attacker perspective, you have only these few, few ways or, or a few options of, of attacking. Mm -hmm. And also uh, coming from the um, computer networking side, when you create a firewall, what's, what's the first thing that you do? You close everything, right? You mm -hmm. close everything and then you open only a few things. Mm -hmm. And people should always attack it like this. If it's, if it's the actual firewall or the interfaces in the, in the, in the platform, or if it's the, uh, identity and access management, the roles and the rights that people actually have, always first close down everything and then just open if, open the, the really necessary things. Right. And above that, then it gets very technical. And you, of course, you need to, you need to do a lot of research. You need to maybe uh, consult with a, with a security expert. Mm -hmm. Very often right. privacy is a, a big thing as well. Like that yeah. data, is, am I actually allowed to store that data? How long am I allowed to store that data? Right. Does this need to have specific uh, access management and so on? It's this part, this, this is basically two parts uh, can be very tricky. Hmm. And w you would definitely include this in the data engineer role, right? Yes and no. <laughs> nice. So I think uh, people should have the basics, uh, basic understanding of these uh -huh. things. Now, there are two different types of engineers. And this, you can think of this as somebody who's working in a startup and mm -hmm. somebody who's uh, and more like a greenfield thing where they start from zero and other engineers who are working at companies like Facebook where the 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 frame is already there right right for them they don't really have the security this the, these these problems they more have the problems of the actual data working with the data making sure the data is clean is is good doesn't have any errors in it and so on and so on right. so for these people in the large corporations most of the time they don't have that problem but if you're if you're working on in the startup on the green field, you're you're building something for me. Yeah. Hmm. That's it. Yes. But, awesome. Yeah. But then then that's that's what I mean. It's very difficult to to really teach this in an academy. I can only teach the the basics, right? Because. It's going to look different on AWS. The actual doing is going to look different on AWS than on Azure, and it's going to look different on whatever Databricks right. than on than on Snowflake. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I see. Yeah, totally. And 
and also data engineering and data architecture are like two I mean I think we could draw a line between data science data engineering and data architecture and data engineering and data architecture can be related but it's still like the data architecture part maybe I'm a data engineer and engineer and very good with um, data warehouse data lake streaming processes batch near real time and all of that but coming to data architecture like you said maybe I've been only using the data and creating this uh, the CTLs and and moving the data and yeah. but I haven't been able to practice that much about architecture the architecture part yeah and that's for for me that's actually the most fun part the architecture part yeah starting from zero having a problem trying to figure out how how can I actually solve this which how can I build this platform to make something out of it and so that's more the architecture part uh and that's why i also want to bring in this this uh, new course about the architecture um basically an architecture two Mm -hmm. um, course to to help people actually make this decision or start from the greenfield and right right it's it's but it's challenging it's challenging yeah it's challenging because maybe like aws and azure are similar but it's tricky to like compare exactly the same tools in front of each other and you would do something here that doesn't exist here because there is another way another process to do it um trigger it yeah or or you are let's say you are on on one you are on azure Mm -hmm. but then it's like also as an architect if you're if you think about the just the architect role forget about the engineer the engineering and the actual doing part like just the architect Mm-hmm. It's not just you. You have to talk to the scientists who, or to the people who then do the actual processing. You need to right. talk to the business. What are the goals that they have? What are the constraints that they are going to set set on you? And and then the the legal stuff with uh, with GDPR and everything. Ugh. So mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's a, a tricky role. Yeah, and the cost management, the cost management, and cost pre cost prediction is a very tricky part too that's because true. um yeah do you have one comment to do on the cost management cost, well, cost management cost it, prediction sorry yeah it's it's i i mentioned this also in my linkedin course that i did with linkedin learning uh problem solving for uh, data engineers mm-hmm. like one thing is the cost management especially now if we were talking about the startups and the architects and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not that easy anymore to to predict the costs. Right. In the beginning, like a few years ago, it was quite easy. You had the virtual machines and then you know, okay, I have these virtual servers. These are the configurations. They're going to run yeah. for that many hours a day. Uh-huh. Uh, that's it. 24 hours right. a day. And then that, that's easy numbers. Now yeah. you have to pay... For the processing time, for the 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 RAM used during the processing time, you have to pay for the messages sent through the the message queue, and uh, like it's getting it's getting very complicated to actually estimate what the charges are going to be. Right. Like. Right, and if you are like for example in Azure, then maybe you'll have Synapse, and on top of that you'll have Databricks, and you'll have compute assigned to both of them. And maybe you'll have a Power BI subscription on top of that. And 
and yeah. containers and and, and then you have then you have functions and these functions are going to run and they're going to <laughs> they're going to uh, going to right. add to the bill and how long is each function going to run for each run and how much resources it's going to need right 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 it's in larger things it's, it's very complicated and funnily enough it gets very expensive very quick yeah <laughs> so the cloud is great to start but it can very get um expensive yeah. very fast yeah um, you, it's very easy to have a six figure a year architecture <laughs> <laughs> yeah I guess that's a skill I can add on my curriculum. <laughs> this is something. This is something I'm great at. Six figures uh, bills. Um, well, that's that's awesome. We, we've run uh, further than one hour. Uh, I had an amazing time. I have three three little questions for you, Andreas. Sure. But before doing these questions, I want to thank you a lot for coming on the show. Uh, I had an amazing time asking you about data engineering and uh, and, and knowing your um, well getting to know a bit more on your uh, expert vision, uh, a bit more on how you've built the academy, your background, and uh, and everything we discussed uh, have been fascinating. So thanks a lot for sharing with us. Um, I, I had a, an amazing time, like I said. Yeah, thanks. You're also a great interviewer. And I, I think we had a lot of fun, yeah. <laughs> thanks. So for the people who are still listening, um, how can... One, find you. Uh, so you're present on LinkedIn. You you have the academy. You have YouTube. I'll put all the link, all the link in the description if you have interest. Um, but would you recommend one platform for people to reach out to you? So um, usually the easiest way to reach out to me is actually email. It's actually email? just write write to us. Hello at learndataengineering.com. Just write us. Okay. Um, because with social media and having all these channels, it gets gets right. difficult. And with LinkedIn, it's quite annoying because you can't just send me a, a message. You need to be connected with me, and it's, I get so many connection requests. I never, yeah, uh, never accept them because you only have I don't know how many. So uh, write an email if you have any question, uh, or get. That's also a good uh, thing. Get into our Discord server. Mm -hmm. If you want to get to the Discord on our platform, learndataengineering.com, on the bottom, we have a link to our Discord server. Mm -hmm. And we have basically two areas there. We have a, a member area for the academy and a, a free area for everybody else. Awesome. Um, I'll put the links in the description. So cool. if you come, so if you've listened to this episode with us uh, uh, and you're still here, um, uh, when you join and you want to join the Discord, uh, leave a little message uh, so that uh, they know in the Discord that you come from this episode. That would be cool. Maybe you'll uh, have a little uh, uh, other people who will be um, like you. Um, so that's my pre-last question and my last question for you. And I thank you again, Andres, for your time. Is would you have a message for the List OKI community? Uh, it can be professional, it can be personal, it can be anything we talked about in this episode. Well, um, I think for for your community, I hope everybody out there. I hope you keep listening to these uh, these events. I hope you learn, keep learning something because uh, Thomas is doing a great job here. Um, like I said a few minutes ago, keep adding new stuff, 
to your knowledge. Don't stay with what you know now and uh, be curious and yeah, use this platform to get information about new stuff and yeah, keep learning. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Andreas, and I wish you to have a wonderful day. You too. Thanks. Bye. Congrats. You've made it to the end. I hope you had a great time and that you learned a few things. To learn more about AI, you can subscribe to my newsletter or check the blog. And to support the podcast, you can give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also share it with two friends, colleagues or family members that might be interested. I wish you to have a wonderful day. Bye.